0: Hello, this is Paul Bills, and this is Chance Time. Uh, I could not hear the music, so I didn't quite know when to come in.
1: You did okay. I did okay?
0: Okay. You did okay. Oh, man. Welcome to Chance Time Podcast, uh, uh, another video game podcast. Uh, I think I said this already, but uh, I'm Paul Bills, and with me is Ryan Speakman.
1: I am also Paul Bills. (laughs)
2: And Curtis Low. I'm I'm not Paul Bills. <laughs> not, yet. not yet. Yeah.
1: One of us. One of us.
2: <laughs> One. Okay. Once that back I am now Jackson. also Paul Bills. <laughs> Come to the Paul Bills <laughs> podcast. Finally, the I get to have a
0: discussion <laughs> with myself three times and call it a podcast.
2: We could call it the the podcast
0: <laughs> official rename of the podcast <laughs> now that we're an episode what number episode is this 16 17
1: it's uh 19 i think it is 19
0: wow okay so episode 19 completely renamed the podcast good job <laughs> Um we have a topic that we'll cover today, but before we do that, we gotta do the thing we always do, the the one thing first. First, one thing. <laughs> uh does anyone just really have something they really want to talk about today? They want to do their like one thing.
1: We should just like immediately shut down our podcast. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It's done. This is it. We made uh, it almost 20 episodes.
2: Almost uh, 20.
0: want to thank all the guest stars we had over the years. Uh, all you fans, thank wow. you. The end.
1: For my final that... one thing, I will go <laughs> first.
3: Okay, go for it.
1: Um, so I bought into the hype. As I usually do, <laughs> and I decided to give Monster Hunter a Rise a go.
2: Oh, you did! Yeah,
4: yeah.
1: and we
2: just saw you playing that earlier today. <laughs> yeah,
1: it made me think of something that's been const- a constant problem when I'm playing video games. I don't know if you guys have the same problem, but you eventually get to things where, like, you have to name your character and create your character and then I like spend a long time deciding if I want to make it look just like me or if I want to make it look like some sort of abomination and I kind of feel like that takes me a while and then the hardest part especially when I was doing Monster Hunter Rise was you get your dog which they call a Palamute and you get your cat, which I think is called a palico, but I might be wrong yes. on that. Um, I'm
0: pretty sure that's right. Okay. That's in the other ones.
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I create my cool looking dog, make him like weird sea green colors and blues, and give him one red eye and one gray eye. And then ask me to name my dog. And I sit there for an hour trying to think of the perfect name. Because I know that this is going to be my <laughs> companion for the whole game. That's true. And same with the cat. And same when I had to name my Animal Crossing island, and all these other things. Why is it so hard to like give your uh, give your fake companions a name?
0: <laughs> well, How? I mean, you do make, you do make a good point. Like Monster Hunter Rise, is, it's a game you're supposed to play for hundreds of hours, right? Like yeah. it's supposed to be like your whole hobby could just be monster hunter. So it does seem like kind of a big decision. You are going to spend a lot of time looking at, at those names. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, on the one hand, I get it.
1: I feel like you should have like it, like with naming a child, you should have a gestation period <laughs> I, where I assume that you name your child and then you get at least a year to change it. Is that correct? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um,
4: I, there I, don't is something, I don't remember. What there it is. is something there like that. Yeah. A, yeah.
1: Um, but here's what I went with. Uh, I consulted with my girlfriend, and she decided that Stingray was the name for this dog. Because I was thinking Dolphin, because it's got like a lot of sea colors on it. Right. And then. I ended my phone call with her and had to name the rest of them by myself. And I went with Senor Luna for my cat.
4: <laughs> That's
0: really good. I like that a lot.
1: Yeah. And then when I thought I was in the clear, they randomly give you an owl that you have to name in the tutorial part of the game. And I was too exhausted to think of anything <laughs> cool. So I just went with Featherball. <laughs>
0: Wait, is the owl like a companion, too?
1: I didn't, don't really understand what the owl is for.
4: <laughs> Weird. Okay. There was cool game.
1: a lot of reading in the tutorials, so I have no idea what I'm doing right now. Because I forewent the reading.
0: <laughs> forewent? Yeah. Is that a word? <laughs> yeah, it's in many of Abraham Lincoln's speeches. Four-went. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I forget you're constantly studying Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. I want to get straight into the action, and so there's just like I don't know. It that's neither here nor there. I think because the main <laughs> point is, I always have this problem when I'm like in some sort of. RPG or action RPG, and I get a new companion that I have to name because I want it to be perfect.
2: Uh, I honestly don't stress uh, about it like hardly ever. (laughs) Especially if like they're like animal companions like that, I usually just give them names that or my pets growing up or something, you know. Mm, Okay, which is an easy way out. It's not very creative.
1: But sometimes I think the I'm easy just, way out. I'm is not creative when it
2: comes. Like, when I, whenever I uh, play Dark Souls or any of those games, my name always ends up being Sir Kurt because I can't remember it. Like I, where I can't think of anything better. Then it works out because then if I start a second playthrough, like I don't like my first build or something, and I start, I want to start over again. You know, then it's just Sir Kurt the second. <laughs> it works out okay. It seems goes well with the theme.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the name of my character is always easy because I always choose the same one. But it's when I have yeah. to have friends is where it makes it hard for me, because That's I hard. want these friends to be real.
2: I'm trying to remember, I <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I've really ever played games that are like, here's this character you have to name it yourself.
1: Earthbound was the other example I was thinking of. That I but had they time.
2: give you options though, like they there's a preset name that you can with or you could do something else like so yeah
1: they do i always want to do my own name though which oh, okay. adds to the
2: problem it like it's like in all the old final fantasies and stuff it was the same way so they would be like here's name this character that it says cloud I'm like oh well i don't want to change it you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i don't know I'm never stressed about that kind of thing. Did you guys
0: honest. ever nickname Pokemon or did you always just leave it the name of the Pokemon? I usually left it the I name was... of the Pokemon. Yeah, same. Same here.
1: I will but say... My... Oh, go ahead.
0: I was just saying my kids love nicknaming the Pokemon, but they don't like name it. They just like to hit a bunch of buttons on the keyboard <laughs> and does. then laugh whenever it comes up. But it's like, you know... 30 a's or whatever
2: (laughs) oh i do i can't think of an instance where i did stress about a name and it was animal crossing and you had to name your island
1: it's a big stressful
2: that was a felt like a big decision because you have to name it you're like stuck with it forever unless you decide to just demolish the whole island and start over like there's no going back other people are going to it too yeah that too like it's not like just like on your game and it's just you Like, you can invite people over and they're gonna they're gonna see what you named your island they're gonna judge you for it, you know <laughs>
1: yeah i not to harp too much more on this topic but i do think it's <laughs> interesting too with earthbound or games like legend of zelda where you name your character but in the nintendo canon they have real names it's like Ocarina of Time, you can name your character Ryan if you want. But it's mm-hmm. Link, really. And it's always Ness, but you can name your character you. Yeah. So it makes it even harder for me because I'm like, do I stay true to the Nintendo canon? Or do I create my own adventure? In an alternate <laughs> timeline where I've removed an Infinity Stone of my name. <laughs>
0: These are big burdens that video games lay upon such <laughs> such young souls. Uh another quick question on this topic. Have you ever played part of an RPG and realized you had to restart the whole thing because you couldn't stand your character that you created?
1: Hmm. I don't
2: not like remember. the oh sorry, go ahead.
1: Yeah, I don't think I have.
2: I have but just because of like i don't like like the class or play style i was doing mm, okay yeah or for the name though Like i've played skyrim a fair amount and i feel like i've done the very first part like so many times just because i'm like i'm gonna try the high elf this time or i'm gonna try the cat race this time and then you know <laughs> it's always just trying to decide what kind of character i want to play i don't i don't remember any kind of names i did for them though
1: I do remember one of my best customized characters was in Tony Hawk Underground. Mm, and It's on a corrupted memory card right now so I can never retrieve him, but (laughs) the character of Super Hot Dog who was a giant green man was one of my favorites.
0: Always to be remembered.
1: R.I.P. Super Hot Dog.
2: (laughs) R.I.P. Super Hot Dog, man. Um, Did you come up with any good names for your Mii Fighters on, in Smash Brothers?
1: No, I have, I speaking of Abraham Lincoln, I do have Abraham Lincoln and my mom as playable fighters. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I can't think of, uh, I know I have another. Oh, I think it's just me. I think I made each one and it was just my mom, Abraham Lincoln, and me.
2: Nice, that's better than mine.
1: Yeah, what were yours?
2: (laughs) It was just uh, uh, I made one of each. First one was punchy, bro, other one was stabby, bro, and the other one was shooty, bro. (laughs) Not very creative. I also never played them, so I didn't really care. So I'm just like, uh, punchy, bro, and then I played him once and I was like, he's cool, I guess, and then never played him again. Also I, on the yeah. topic of names real quick. Ever you play a Zelda game that allows you to name Link whatever you want. You can name him like my dude or my bro. That's pretty entertaining. Yeah. I saw that on Twitter. <laughs> and then everyone's just like super chill. It's like, "Hey, you saved me, my bro." Or like, "Thanks, my bro." Or, "Thanks, my dude." And this is pretty it's pretty great.
1: That's awesome. All right, let's end this name talk. (laughs) (laughs) I said my piece.
2: All right, Curtis. Um, My one thing that I suddenly (laughs) fell back into is Picross. If you guys have ever played Picross. I got it. I got the first one I got was. I think exactly a year ago. And just because I wanted to relaxing puzzle game to play like during breaks while I was working, you know. Um, since that was convenient since I had started working from home. So I got the most recent one and he really got into it. I think I actually ended up putting I think I just checked today. I was 55 hours into it. <laughs> nice. Which I never thought I'd do. And just do a little puzzle game. But it's just so easy to just pick up and play for a little bit. You don't have to think about it and it's easy to put down, you know, and come back to it later. Anyway, tried playing it and the one I got last year, and realized that all the puzzles were very difficult. I had done all the ones that I could clean easily, and I was just kept getting stuck. I decided to buy another Picross game and started that one. And how many puzzles in am I now? I've done a lot already. Anyway, I'm on uh, number 99. Wow, this is like I started like two or three days ago. <laughs> so I'm just like blowing through it. Um, anyway, also thought this was relevant because the new Picross was apparently just announced uh, for Switch. I mean, yes. soon. six, right? Picross, yeah, I think six. It's six. I'm six not sure, already? but yeah, there's a uh, lot. Oh, oh, so, I honestly I didn't think I'd get that into them, but they're very good.
1: I did the same thing where I have 50 hours on the first Pacross S and then I Mm. bought Pacross S two and I think I had kind of oversaturated my mind with Pacross at that point. But I think, um, I, for some reason I have this mental block where I cannot buy Pacross S three until I finish Pacross S two. So every once in a while I'll go back to Picross S2 and do a few puzzles and then leave it be it's for a good one. a good way to do months. it too though. Yeah.
2: Um first one I played was Picross S four. That one had color picross.
1: I do want to try I don't know that. If the that Dude, was doesn't. I did
2: all of the color picross puzzles S4. It was by far my favorite part. Because you know how you you finished the a puzzle, then it shows a little picture from all the squares you put in. Yeah. You're like, oh, cool, it's a banana, or it's a oh, desk lamp. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of funny to see what pictures they decided to make into puzzles. Anyway, um, the color ones don't go into detail. Just like, you know, the normal ones kind of add little details so you can see it a little bit better. Mm-hmm. The color ones just leave the color blocks as they are. And then when it... Reveals the picture it makes, it actually gets animated. So I remember there was like a karate one, and there's like this little guy, and then he would do like this little roundhouse kick and then go back into starting position, and then it would just loop. And it was really satisfying to get all of them done because then it's just all of the little puzzles with all their little icons for each one, and then they're all animated doing all their little things. And I was just like, oh yeah, <laughs> like <laughs> this is the best. So I'm kind of bummed I didn't realize the. Now I just got Picross S now and it doesn't have the color ones it has mega picross which i don't understand so i don't know if i'm gonna care to get into that Mm, yeah that's kind of a bummer but that's okay
1: did they get rid of mega picross and the other ones
2: uh i think picross s4 had it i just never got into it got it they had a that one also had a i i don't know what it was called but it was basically just a giant picross like a regular picross puzzle but it was like 50 squares across and 50 squares down it was just huge oh wow which was fun when i started it cuz it seemed pretty easily but then i made like one mistake somewhere i didn't realize it for a while and then it just compounded you know and just got to be a, me- a very big mess very quickly and i was like ah, i don't know it was just maybe too big
1: that is one of the most anger inducing things to spend a half hour doing a Picross puzzle and realize that there's one thing that just ruined your whole thing. Yeah,
2: But I also find it very satisfying to able to fix it when I can. Very true. I'll always put in some effort to at least try to fix it if I can. And that's satisfying to that. I've also had times where I've just kind of brute forced my way through the puzzles. Sometimes I'm like, I don't understand (laughs) why can't figure this out, but then you know, I'll be looking at it. I'm like, wait a minute, there's a pattern here. These squares. This one definitely has to be filled in to continue this pattern. <laughs> and then I'll just do that without actually like figuring it out, you know, and go from there. That's worked before. Anyway, Picross is good. No one ever wants a puzzle game on their Switch to just relax to. Picross is a good choice.
4: Agreed. Picross. (laughs) Picross.
0: Wasn't there (laughs) there Pokemon Picross at one point? I think I tried that one. I haven't played any other Picross.
1: That was on the 3DS. I liked that one too. That was my first introduction to Picross actually.
2: There's also Mario Picross on the Super Nintendo. It's included with Switch Online. I think it was a Japanese-only release, though, so be warned on that, but it's because menus are hard when it's in a different language. (laughs) But the puzzles are the same, so that's cool. That's tend to be true.
0: (laughs) Excellent. Uh, My one thing. Uh, First of all, I want to follow up on a previous one thing. I what?
1: Always appreciated.
0: Yeah, I mean yeah, you gotta gotta follow up. Uh, I hit my wall on Wild Rift. Haven't been able to play that game in like five days. And just every time I go to play it, I'm like, actually I don't want to. So I don't I played it so hard for like, I don't know, a week and a half, maybe two weeks. And now I'm just like, actually I don't want to. So sorry, League of Legends.
3: Happened again. Uh <laughs> yeah
0: maybe it'll circle back around Uh, i don't know um but my other one thing my real one thing is this morning i downloaded the demo of mario and sonic at the olympic games tokyo 2020. Uh, i thought yeah maybe my kids will like this and i realized for my kids like the best part of any game is picking characters. Like, that's honestly, like, the most fun they have in almost any game they play is the character selection screen. Like, I think, (laughs) honestly, they, they prefer that to whatever the game is. So, like, whether it's Smash Bros. or Mario Kart or i don't know anything where you can pick characters i swear they have more fun on the character selection screen and they spend more time sitting there and being like oh who should i be i want to be this guy i want to be this guy um and then they're like let's get through whatever the game is as fast as possible so we can go back and pick another character (laughs) And like that that's what's fun to them and i guess maybe it's just because they're they don't Like, in the case of Smash Bros. and Mario Kart, they haven't quite mastered, like, the actual game. But they know they can, like, pick a character, and they have total control there. And so that's the fun part to them. Um, But anyway, so the demo is not great for them, because you can only pick between Mario, Sonic, Eggman, and Bowser. And there's all these other characters that they know thanks to playing Mario Odyssey and Sonic Forces so they know both Sonic characters and Mario characters pretty well now and they like got so excited to see them but they couldn't pick them and they were like really disappointed in the demo even though they were really excited by the idea of the game um so yeah i think i'm gonna it's on sale right now i'm pretty sure i'm going to end up buying it for them just so they have a game where they can pick <laughs> between all the characters <laughs> Because I also recently, with my kids being obsessed with Sonic after discovering the Sonic movie, I got Sonic Dash on my phone to let them, like, have a Sonic game to play uh, sometimes. And, again, they're just so disappointed because you have to unlock all the characters. And they're like, no, I want to be the black guy, Shadow, and I want to be the red guy, Knuckles. But you can't because then the it's a mobile game. So of course you have to either play a bunch or pay real money to unlock the characters. Mm. And that's all they want to do. They don't really care about the running or anything. So I feel like Mario and Sonic at the Olympic Games, Tokyo 2020, is just the perfect chance to them to just be able to finally pick the characters they want to play. <laughs> and the like mini games in this are so simple and so short that they'll be able to blaze right through them and get back to the character selection screen. So I think it will be perfect.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That uh, is one that I actually bought and I had a great time with it.
0: Oh, okay. Good to know.
1: But it it seems like
0: there's a ton of events. I was really impressed at how many events there are in it.
1: Yeah, it is. It's one that you can get bored of fast though at the same time. Yeah. But if you're looking for a good character select screen,
2: (laughs) So you'll have. I got it. Fun.
1: What do you think? A well,
2: potential topic. Character select screens. The <laughs> best character select screens.
1: What do you think is the limit on how many characters would be too overwhelming for them?
0: That's a good question. Like, do you, uh, have
1: you had them choose through Smash Bros. Ultimate?
0: Yeah, they is, have.
1: Is that too many for them?
0: No. They, but they also like, like, there's so many characters in Smash Bros. that they just ignore because they have no connection to them whatsoever.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah, I kind of figured that'd be the case.
0: Yeah. So to them, like, Smash Bros. is fun, but they kind of stick to the Mario corner of the screen. Um, and there's, like, a couple that they've decided to like. Like, they really like Rob because it's it's a robot and robots are cool. Uh. But, like, yeah, the whole Fire Emblem chunk of the screen, they'll never even go to. Um, Got it. So, yeah, I guess it's not overwhelming, but it's also, like, they don't know most of the characters. So in their minds, there's only, like, maybe 20 characters to pick from anyway. Okay. And I've been really surprised at how they've latched on to the Sonic characters cuz I I don't really know anyone that's like a real big Sonic fan. So I don't know the Sonic characters beyond like Sonic, Tails and Knuckles. I didn't know the other ones like at all. But they played Sonic Forces and now like when they open Mario and Sonic, they were like Metal Sonic and they were so excited and I was like, "Oh yeah, sure. <laughs> There's Metal Sonic." <laughs>
1: You're sitting here and telling me, Paul, you don't know Vector, and you don't know Rogue. I
0: I don't. I don't know those characters. I
2: think
0: think maybe I know Rogue now, but I honestly still don't know who Vector is.
1: Vector is the the other ones I know would
2: be. Oh, Oh, see, I knew there's an alligator. I don't know his name.
1: I think Rogue and Vector were the only obscure ones I could think
2: of. (laughs) Well, I know Shadow, and is it the silver one just named Silver? Oh yeah, yeah. And yeah. Then there's a pink one that I feel like I should know her name, that but one's I don't. Amy, I know that one too. A- oh, it's yeah, Amy. Okay.
0: Oh, by the way, <laughs> in we played the demo of the badminton, and I guess Amy is from Israel. She had the Israel flag <laughs> by her when you played against her. And I was it's like, is this <laughs> like? Is this canon or is this just like randomized? right.
2: Is <laughs> this I
1: remember also the badminton being one of the worst ones. In the
0: yeah, because it's like it's like Mario Tennis, but you don't actually have to move. So yeah. it's it's like it's pure rhythm. It's just hitting the A button at the right time. Yeah, I was like, oh, okay. So this is like way simple.
1: Yeah, the ones there are a lot of really bad mini games in that. Now that I remember, <laughs> but the ones that are good, they like are really fun and can get competitive.
0: Yeah. Well, and, like, for my kids, having super simple minigames is actually really good because, like, one of my kids, he really wants to play, but he doesn't, like, put in the time to really learn it because he's more about the characters. Um, So it'll be good because both my sons can play together and like it yeah when it's simple enough that they can both do it it's it's really good like the only game they can really play together on their own without intervention right now is mario kart and that's only if like the assist is on but i feel like this one they'll both be able to at least like get through the event and pick the new one all on their own without you know someone having to stop and help them every five minutes yeah so that'll be interesting to see how it works out
1: uh, just to put the thought in your head, so we don't have to discuss this, but is there any way you could gamify a character select screen?
0: <laughs>
1: and so, just like, like
4: the
0: game is the character uh, yeah, select yeah. screen? <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me of, uh, there's a board game called Role Player, I think is what it's called, and it basically turned, like, creating your D&D character into the game. Interesting. So, like having the best character sheet basically at the end of the game is how you win the game. So you don't play beyond creating your character. Huh. So yeah, I feel like character select screen, the game could, could be just really great. <laughs> Someone could figure it out, <laughs> but also like I mean... you need a way to unlock new characters. Cause that's fun for them too. Mm, yeah. Yeah.
2: I feel like Smash is the closest thing that comes to it (laughs) because you have, like, a cursor that you almost have to move around instead of just. Right. Did manage to to gamify the credits, so maybe they could do it with the character select. Right.
0: Well, and Smash has not just character select, but color select, Mm. which adds a whole new element to it, and the name select.
2: Oh so the you name almost... select's the worst for <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> just with like my nephews and stuff. I have so many names on <laughs> my <I'm, like, laughs> on my name select thing. It's just like, why is this here? <laughs> it's so like the, think... like you mentioned uh we were talking or I guess this is before we started recording, but we we're talking about naming Pokemon and your kids just like
4: smash no, the yeah, buttons yeah, and yeah, see yeah, what yeah. silly
2: thing comes out. That's what my nephews did in Smash for the for the names. name thing. I think that I we think, talked guys.
1: about it on the record because it was when I was talking about naming dogs and cats and owls. Oh yeah. Oh, that's
2: right. It yeah. was on the record. <laughs> oh. yeah, okay, Our, really already forgetting this very episode. <laughs> oh man.
0: I was going to say though, talking about the smash character select screen, I think there could be like some kind of puzzle game in there where it's like, you have to, line up the right characters with the right colors and the right names to like advance something something could be in there
2: i don't know like what the clue that would with be. smash and you can do it by franchise so you gotta get all the mario characters <laughs> get three in a row like mario dr mario and peach and then it like clears it you know i don't know <laughs> yeah
1: do you guys remember the really lame mini game in the 3ds version of smash where you're just like the little discs and you hit each other.
0: Oh yeah. Uh-huh.
1: That kind of was kind of like that. Yeah, it
2: was really. kind of like that. Yeah, now I'm thinking is that where you do like the is that where you do the whole like fight thing where you just basically get stats by running through a stage?
1: No, this one was you were literally just a token with a JPEG of a character. And you hold down the A button and aim it at the other tokens and try to knock them off the square.
2: It was like I don't this, remember that. It was like to... a
0: Street Pass mini game, right? Yeah, so it was like yeah, when you yeah. passed other people that played Smash.
2: Okay, maybe that's why I never played it because I never did Street Pass. I was too late to the 3DS mm. do any Street Pass stuff. It's funny, man. Street Pass was fun.
4: Yeah, I haven't thought about Street
2: Pass in a while. Yeah totally oh, about this <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: getting home after travel oh, I used to ride the train to and from work so I would get home and open my 3ds and actually have a, a good number like every day oh wow and start to see like repeat people and be like okay who is this like who, who do I see every day that has a 3ds it's
2: <laughs> funny. Only Street That's Pass I ever got was my roommate who sold me his 3D, 3DS because <laughs> he bought a new 3DS. <laughs> so it was just because I left my 3DS in the apartments and he did too. So it's starting to be like, "Hey, it's your roommate again." Oh, cool,
0: man. Thanks. <laughs> kind of think of it. It's really like a un- Nintendo of Nintendo to not put some kind of Street Pass on the Switch. 'Cause they love like the gimmicks like that. The like physical space gimmicks.
1: Yeah, even if you package it as a a game. Right. I guess that would be I mean, harder to do, but like
2: I mean that would work with the switch. I never turn my switch off. It's always in sleep mode. Right. I don't know, like, go places it's in sleep mode. So if you had something that could run while it's in sleep mode, he'd golden.
0: Yeah, I wonder if it's just the, the architecture is different enough or the power necess- power needs are different enough. I don't know.
1: Maybe.
0: I mean, you can do local play on Switch, so it seems like the technology is there to, like, scan for other devices in close range. Yeah, I don't know.
3: We'll ask Reggie. Uh,
0: great. Does that conclude one thing? Are, are we done?
2: It's over oh, done. We're coming to see James. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we did it. So that that's our one thing. So trying to move on to topic of the show. Uh, let me intro this topic, and then we'll dive right in with some questions. Um, so, the topic of the show this week was inspired by an article that anyone listening to this has probably seen. It was probably one of the biggest game news articles this week. Um, From the journalist himself, Jason Schreier, who frequently breaks big stories that become the biggest game story of the week.
2: Friend Uh, of the show, Jason Schreier. Friend (laughs) of the show. (laughs) He'll be here. Seems like a good guy. I like his podcast. Be here any week.
0: (laughs) We just got to find a hole hole in his schedule and he'll record here for sure. Uh, Yeah, so he broke a story on Bloomberg where he writes now. his focus of the story was there's internal conflict in PlayStation about should they keep pursuing just the big blockbusters or should they try new things or should they have smaller teams or should it always be these big budget games. So that was his focus of the story, but of course the the clickbait um piece of news that everyone latched onto was that there's a team at Sony that started doing a Last of Us remake for the PlayStation 5. And now, supposedly, that Last of Us remake is being done at Naughty Dog. Um, of course, the original developers of The Last of Us and The Last of Us 2. Um, and in addition to that, Bend Studio had pitched a Days Gone 2. Um, So they made Days Gone, and they had pitched a Days Gone 2, and the powers that be at Sony rejected their pitch. So we have no sequel for, the, for a new franchise, a new IP, but let's go ahead and remake a game that's already been remastered, had a sequel, and had um, several major updates, and is one of the, the most talked about games of the last decade, already getting a, a remake, what is it, seven, eight years? after its original release. Um, so a lot of people are talking about why do this? Why remake The Last of Us already? So we're not going to talk so much about The Last of Us specifically, I don't think. But the topic we want to talk about today is this idea of repetition versus innovation in games. Um, what, How much is too much of doing the same thing uh, and... When and where and how is it? Can we best, as an industry, push things forward instead of just redoing the same thing? So, like for me, my reaction to this Last of Us news is like, no! Like Naughty Dog are your some of your best developers. Let them make the next big game. Don't don't force them to remake something that was already successful. Let them be creative and come up with something new that we can all get as excited about as we did when The Last of Us first came out. That was my first thought. Uh, Curtis and Ryan, what what are your reactions to to this specific article? And then we'll dig more into the broader
4: topic. I guess, Curtis, what was your reaction?
2: <laughs> oh, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, my first initial reaction was kind of the same thing. That I thought it was kind of a bummer that there's so focused on like their old games i guess you'd call them that you know they make them just because they know they're going to make a lot of money and that's it it's not doesn't seem to be like there's a lot of creative freedom in the article it made it sound that way i'll say um that was my first reaction especially with the the last of us remake because that makes literal zero sense to me you can already play the remaster on PlayStation 5 because it was on PlayStation 4. Like it doesn't make sense why I don't understand why they need that. I understand they'd want to capitalize on The Last of Us because it's made them a ton of money. Um, I feel like they're already doing that because they have an HBO show coming up for it. Like capitalizing on it. There's other things they could do besides just remaking the first game that's not even I mean, I, I'll be honest. I've never played it, but it seems like it's aged just fine. Like it hasn't aged poorly, you know.
0: Yeah, it it definitely. And it's feels not like inaccessible. It's
2: still, like it's easy to get to to play. Yeah.
0: Like, it still feels modern. It doesn't feel like yeah, yeah. we're in an era that needs a remake of a game. You know,
2: yeah. like the like Demon Souls needed a remake. It was on a PlayStation Three. Not everyone had a PlayStation Three. It's not like could play that game on your playstation 4 it's dated compared to like the newer dark souls games like it needed a remake so it made sense to do that for the playstation 5 you know um i can't say the same things about the last of us um yeah and putting naughty dog on that project seems weird but maybe their studio is just that big that they have a smaller team working on the remake while the rest of naughty dogs working on other stuff i don't know I'm assuming that's probably what it is. I don't know.
0: Uh, well, anyway. actually, in this article, they also said that part of Ben's studio, after they were told no on Days Gone 2, were told that they had to help Naughty Dog make, quote-unquote, a multiplayer game, which has to be yeah. the, the multiplayer component of Last of Us 2 that got cut off. Um, so, yeah, it does seem like there has to be multiple teams at Naughty Dog. So yeah, there could be a team making the next thing.
2: It could be like, I don't know, maybe developer newer hires or something that, you know, they're just kind of cutting their teeth on a project that that Sony's like, this is definitely going to make money, you know, go ahead and remake the last of us. Um, The other thing I just thought was interesting. It seems like, so that was my first initial thought that Sony, I guess my general blanket statement is Sony isn't really allowing for a lot of creativity and innovation in their studios. Um, but then I was thinking about the lineup for the PlayStation 5, and there's a lot of kind of... I mean, there's quite a few weird, quirky games coming, I mean, you know. Um, Returnal is one that comes to mind. Um, there's that one with the cat that you play as a cat.
0: I don't know if that's
2: exclusive.
0: Can't remember what it's called. That's, I, don't
1: know. Yeah. I have no idea what you guys are talking about.
2: There's a game... remember the cat one and you yeah. it's a world full of robots and you play as a cat?
1: No, I have called? no idea what this is.
2: Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. It's called stray. Um, and
0: yeah, it's, it's like and it's it's called. in like a post human future where everything's run by robots, but you're a cat. Wow, and that's really all we know yeah. about it. That's like all the trailer showed.
1: Okay, so yeah, it's not out or anything. It's just no. there's been a trailer.
2: Oh, it was just yeah. a trailer. Okay, yeah, got it. Same thing for Eternals. Not out yet. Um, but like they seem to have some good projects, like good, innovative. You know, not innovative maybe per se, but unique games that aren't part of a franchise or aren't a sequel. Um, but then I started thinking, how many of those games are being made by Sony's like actual studios that they own? I'm not sure on that, but
3: Uh, yeah, so I think
2: it's very many. Like all the Sony studios, like there's a new Horizon sequel, there's a new God of War sequel, um, you know, like I don't know. Yeah, but also
3: sequels.
0: But let's not forget, like Horizon Zero Dawn was a big risk new franchise, and now it's just getting the follow up because it was so successful. But at the same time, I mean, Horizon Zero Dawn on the surface was a big risk. But the actual gameplay, I think, was very safe. It was just like a greatest hits of open world games. But that studio had only made like first person shooters before. Um, you know, guerrilla games. Yeah. So it was kind of a risk to let them do something so different. And the God of War, I mean, that's an established franchise, but God of War 2018 was quite the departure in a lot of ways. But also it was just, well, let's make God of War but Dark Souls. So, yeah, so you can make the argument both ways that it was they were just doing, you know, safe things. Or, you know, you could also say like actually they were kind of pushing boundaries in a lot of ways, you know. So you can you can argue it both ways, I think.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I was kinda I say that thing. Um that I feel like this article highlighted one specific instance of sony kind of shutting something down and i think that's maybe kind of gone blown out of proportion a little bit you know
4: yeah
0: I, another one to remember as i'm sitting here thinking about this sony let kojima do death stranding like
2: <laughs> yeah, that game was weird that game was it. It looks way weird.
0: weird and yeah definitely not just a repeat of other games like that that thing is a beast all on its own and Sony let it happen. Sony funded it. Sony gave Kojima the time he needed. And it doesn't seem like Mm -hmm. they intervened too much,
1: but do you think that's Um, because it's Kojima? Like,
2: yeah, it's It's a big enough name (laughs) attached to it.
1: Brand name in this instance. Mm -hmm. I feel.
0: Yeah. And also I think that was done under different leadership than leads PlayStation today. Um I also think Horizon was greenlit under different leadership. Um, but one of the guys named in this article, Herman Holst, was he was the director of Guerrilla Games for the whole period of Horizon Zero Dawn, and now he's head of Worldwide Studios or something. And I think he was the one that Jason Schreier blamed for shutting down Days Gone 2. So, I don't know. I say different leadership, but... Maybe it's not all that different.
3: Hmm.
1: When I heard about this article, I kind of... I agree with everything you guys have said, but I also am not that upset about a Last of Us remake.
3: <laughs> really? Okay.
1: I. But that's because I'm in the minority where I'm a person who started The Last of Us twice. And I, li- like, I liked it. There was no reason for me to stop other than the first time I played, I played it on my friend's PlayStation. The second time I played, it was more of a social situation where like, a couple of my friends who enjoyed watching video games rather than playing were over. mm
4: mm-hmm
1: and it just didn't like hit as much as some of the other ones we've done that with um but for me like when i hear news like this i'm in the minority where i could say oh okay i can play a better version of this game later and not have to worry about <laughs> yeah. playing it now and also these long story games are more fun with me when I'm playing like with a group who it's rare to find people to watch you play video games. But like I, I get a better experience out of it when it's like a long story like this, when there's other people with me. And so I kind of feel like if there's better graphics and it's smoother to look at, I feel like that creates a better social situation for me. Mm. Mm. Which is not also not, like, anything that anyone's thinking about when they're thinking (laughs) of The Last of Us being remade. Um, But I definitely, like, if this wasn't remade, I wouldn't care either, because it's a game that I do want to play at some point in my life, just for the uh, accolades alone. And I don't think it needs to be remade. But now that I know it is going to be, I probably will be more excited about the remake than going back and playing the old version.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And there's probably a good number of people who want a PS5 but didn't have a PS3 where The Last of Us originally came out.
1: I, I do think there's something to be said about that too, where like, the PlayStation five seems to be more hyped up than the PS three and the PS four. And I think like with that, I think we're just kind of in an age where like right now, the new hot tech when it's hard to find becomes more wanted. And I Mm -hmm. think that like happened a lot with the switch and like, I think PlayStation might be seeing like the demand for PlayStation five is way higher than we expected. And so maybe they're thinking there's going to be a gap of people who didn't play any PS three or PS four games and thinking, Oh, we need to remake this for the people who are getting the PS five and haven't played anything, but I don't know anything about the numbers or how true that is. Maybe that's not the
0: case. No, that sounds very plausible to me actually. That um, they're like, hey, we want to give them like a full price. It's going to really show off the console version of this game rather than we don't want them buying a PS5 and playing a PS3 game that was remastered and thinking like, this doesn't look as impressive as I thought this would, you know? Huh. So that actually, you know, there's there's definitely an argument to be made there to think about. Um, by the way, Stray, the cat game, is a PS5 exclusive. I didn't, I didn't think it was, but I just looked it up. And it is a PS5. A, exclusive. Is
2: it one of the ones that's PlayStation Five and PC? Uh, like I think advances. so. Yeah.
0: Uh, anyway, so stay tuned for the cat game, everybody. Uh, so moving on in this topic, uh, the first question I want to ask is. What games do you guys remember that when you saw it or played it, it really felt like something new? Like you were like, whoa, this is like innovation. This is moving games forward. This is unlike what I've played before. They've really done something different here. Um, Do you have any games you can think of that you had that kind of reaction to?
4: I know
1: the ones that everyone talks about,
4: mm-hmm.
1: but I kind of think that I didn't really pay attention as much <laughs> to that sort of thing, where I was just like, oh, this is the thing I can play.
3: Right. And I wasn't
1: so like I guess- really thinking, like, this is blowing my mind, because I I had a Game Boy, but my first console I owned was the Nintendo 64. And, like, you see better graphics which, which with each console. And then, like, mm-hmm. you see the Wii with, like, good question. motion controls and stuff like that. But, yeah, I don't know. I feel like I've seen more of that more recently now. Or, like, in the past, like, decade. Now that I've, like, paid more attention to, like, how people are trying to innovate things. So I probably am not the best person to answer this question, but I'll keep thinking.
2: <laughs> the one that pops in my head. This probably isn't really applicable, <laughs> but <laughs> VR in general. Oh yeah, that's yeah. a good Sager, answer. Uh, robo recalls really cool. Uh, super hot VR was really cool, that kind of thing. Um, that doesn't really apply to like conversation of playstation and stuff Mm -hmm. um that was the last time i played a game and i was like this is it it reminded me of when the Wii came out and everyone thought it was so cool like bowling and playing tennis (laughs) on Wii sports and stuff you know Uh, everyone got so into that and everything took me back to those same kind of feeling of playing beat Saber and stuff and i was like amazed at how accurate everything is and stuff and then i don't know um Recall especially, just being able to see how you can interact with so many different things and whatnot um, felt super innovative to me. Um, I'm trying to think of a console game that did that. And I'm honestly having a... That has done that recently. I'm have, honestly having a hard time.
1: I yeah. I think VR is the perfect answer. I did think of one... Um one that for me was it's an interesting choice but warrior for me where <laughs> okay. it was just like i could see that though yeah I didn't like they took the idea of a mini game and made it into a micro game where you just play a bunch of them and they like they were all so goofy and weird when you put them all together and it just like I didn't know that a game could like be as like zany as WarioWare was and it was like it did because it was trying to be zany it, it created like a whole new experience that was really fun and funny to me
2: I can't think of another game that's done that where the whole the whole entire game is just five second mini games just rapid fire at your face like <laughs> yeah. over and over and over again <laughs> I can't think of another game a side note, side note on that, I saw someone on Twitter mention this. I don't remember who said it or what, but um, they said that WarioWare 99 should be the next like uh, 99 that. game that Nintendo does. <laughs> that would be so much fun, where you're all just playing the same WarioWare games, that you just got to be the last one standing.
1: That would be awesome, actually.
2: I would be all over that. It's a side <laughs> note, though. But
1: Shout out to that guy who said that.
2: <laughs> yeah. Shout out to the... Person on the Twitter,
0: <laughs> it was... at Twitter. Twitter yeah. <laughs> uh, so, what your guys' discussion here is is making me realize there's kind of two aspects to this, right? There's there's innovation driven by hardware. You know, everyone talks about the leap to Mario sixty four. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of being like the moment where it's like, whoa, three D games. This has changed forever. Um. And, you know, VR is another good like hardware driven, like, whoa, this is so different. Um, And there's also just like game mechanic innovation that's not driven by hardware. And I actually think you mentioned super hot VR, but I just think super hot even before VR was a good moment of like, whoa, like that's a totally new idea. The whole time only moves when you do so it's it's an action game, but it's almost turn-based because you decide when the action happens. That I, I think is a good example of just like a pure mechanic innovation of like, you know it's really easy to get, like to understand what they're going for, but at the same time, you've never seen it before. Um, no. And so it's a shooter. It's like it's using things that are familiar but there's that one twist on it that makes it really a, a very unique game that like a i don't think game. anyone yeah. yeah i don't think anyone has actually copied super hot per se um like the exact time only moves when you do but i feel like a lot of games owe something to super hot like there's a deck building game called fights in tight spaces that just came out that i think very much owes something to super hot the idea of think of thinking through the motions of this like super fast action sequence but slowing it down so that anyone can be like the action star and think through like okay i'm gonna punch this guy and turn around kick that guy then shove that guy's head into the wall um i i honestly see a pretty straight line between super hot and that game and the whole idea of slowing down a fight um So I think that's a good example of just like a purely mechanical innovation. Uh, Another one that everybody talks about, and I want to get your guys' take on this, is everyone talks about Breath of the Wild being one of those moments of not like a hardware advance, but just like they took the open world game and like totally changed the philosophy of open world games by making it, you know, less guided less handholdy less ui and more like exploration and more like emergent gameplay did you feel that way when you were playing breath of the wild that this was like a truly innovative moment or were you just like yeah it's open world zelda they they did a good job
4: i i feel Um, like
1: i had a mix of both things yeah where like I feel like I did feel that way, but I also like I felt like that spoke more to the game design than innovation. Where like the game makes you feel like you could do anything, but I kind of feel like it. Like if you look at it, it's like this is still a video game that we've seen like similar things mm, with. Right.
0: This is still just like an open world third person action game, like there are so many. They just executed on it better yeah. than a lot.
2: I think the innovation for me on that game is just the freedom of, you know, you can do whatever you want, however you want, really. Like if you mm-hmm. want to just go straight to Ganon and try to end the game with a mop, you can. Or you can go <laughs> to all the Divine Beasts and do all of that. You can do all the towers if you want, but you don't have to. Um, All the shrines are... I mean, essentially, besides the Ganon fight, the whole game's optional, essentially. (laughs) And that's crazy to put that much freedom on the player and have it work. Like, they designed it in a way that people see things, and, oh, what's that? I want to go check that out. What is this? Why is this Ring of Rocks here? Oh, there's one missing, you know, like stuff happens organically. Like you said, it's all because of the player going to somewhere to check something out and explore and kind of playing around with it. You know,
1: do you feel, though, that like that can be refuted a little by just saying, oh, it's a Zelda that's open world in a sandbox game? Because I kind of feel like Um... existed before they just like put it in Zelda.
2: I mean can you like give an example of a game that would like that then i can't think of one
1: yeah i probably can't either you're probably right
4: <laughs>
1: but i know <laughs> I don't that, think like, I, so maybe it's not like the freedom existed, of it and i feel like yeah. there's elements of that yeah, yeah. in uh, open world games before but not to the extent that zelda did so maybe it is a brand new thing because they pushed I think it you have as a good far point. as possible
2: yeah, you have a good point because there's tons of other sandbox games that came before breath of the wild i just think breath of the wild executed it in such a way that like it, it made me want to explore as much as possible you know yeah where other sandbox games you're just just kind of goofing around just for kicks and giggles you know um but there wasn't that element of exploration and discovery and i can't think of you know that sense of yeah the sense of feeling of discovery in
4: any other game, really. What's your take, Paul? Yeah, I mean,
0: I the reason I asked the question is I, I struggle with it, too, where it's like, it's not like there's anything in there. Like, Breath of the Wild wasn't like a super hot moment where it was like, whoa, I've never thought of this, and I've never seen this. It was, Breath of the Wild was like, I feel like other games tried to do what Breath of the Wild did, and just didn't do it as well and that that's a distinction in my mind it wasn't like there's nothing in breath of the wild that was like this is a whole new mechanic that i've never seen before but there was a lot of like yeah. whoa this has never felt this good before or like i've never been this impressed by these kinds of mechanics before you know and like i guess Another thing, I guess, Breath of the Wild, I've never seen this particular mix of ideas before. And they they clicked in such a good way that now so many other people are trying to copy it, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I still, like, it's hard for me to classify that. Like, is it innovation or is it just like excellence? Like, is it just really well executed ideas that other people had tried, but they learned from their mistakes and, and found like a new, a new way to execute on those ideas or a better way?
3: Isn't
2: that the definition of innovation? Just executing on something? New. Uh,
0: yeah, is it like to me, innovation is like, No one has thought of this before.
4: Like,
3: like that distinction. I just.
4: (laughs) Yeah, I guess that's a good. I don't know.
3: All
2: right. The innovation is taking what's already there and, you know,
1: they're doing it better
2: or doing it differently to stand out.
1: Here's what the dictionary says. A new method. Idea, product, etc.
0: New method. So I guess it is innovation. It's a new method.
1: Or a new idea or a new product.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's hard for me to say that anything in Breath of the Wild was a brand new idea. But new methods... I mean
1: you can definitely say that it's innovation within Zelda.
3: yeah which I and it's innovation
1: yeah. Zelda's so beloved that that's a huge thing for a lot of people
0: right. And it was innovation in open world games.
1: Yeah.
2: I um, would say it's it is I do think that's one of the, your highlights of innovation of in recent years.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think most people would agree that that's kind of a it was a watershed moment. So, Um,
1: here's my question, real quick. mm -hmm. Um, in the current artistic environment that we have right now, is there only room for innovation within existing franchises?
2: I don't think so, no.
1: Okay, because Hot is the example that kind of says, like, oh, they did something that was unique, but no one really copied them either. Yeah. And so, like, I don't know, I kind of feel like not just in games, but in, like, movies and things like that, like, you don't really see innovation in anything other than, like, with an existing franchise and if you do, it's it's it seems more rare. But like another but example, almost sorry. no go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Uh like another example is God of War. Like God of War was groundbreaking for a lot of people, but it's because they used an existing franchise to do something new. And I wonder if they didn't use God of War if it would have seemed as new to people.
2: So Maybe uh, how would I want to put this? Successful or attention grabbing innovation is probably in those big franchises just because of the name alone that it carries. Yeah. You see that? Like the new God of War that you're talking about, like was a big deal because it did innovate from the past God of Wars. I just think something like Super Hot um, was definitely innovative. I don't think people are copying it because it's because of money, you know, like not everyone has played super hot. Like, you know what I mean? Mm, yeah. So it's not like it gets as much attention as, because it's a small indie game compared to something like God of war or breath of the wild. All the other big AAA A companies are going to look to and be like, Hey, this is the direction that we need to go. Um, to keep up with the industry, to keep up with sales. I think that's kind of, yeah. As I was going to, what I was going to say originally, um, I accidentally interrupted you, was that I think a lot of innovation in the games industry happens in indie games too.
3: Yeah.
2: But it doesn't catch on as much just because they're not huge titles. So they don't just, they don't carry as much weight to people, you know. Like, I mean, imagine, like, the average moviegoer um, probably pays a lot of attention to the MCU, you know, the Marvel movies, because they're huge. Um, everyone talks about them, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and you can say that they innovate from themselves, too, um, but they're still Marvel movies at the end of the day. Whereas the smaller, smaller, maybe smaller budget movies, um where there's they don't have that pressure to meet insane sales numbers you know yeah. um they have a little more creative freedom they don't have executives saying hey this has got to reach a billion dollars worldwide man you know what i'm saying um, i think you can say the same thing for indie games
0: so this was actually another one of my questions i had written down for this topic was Does innovation always come from indie games and then trickle up? Or does any come from the top down? Or, you know, can innovation, can it come from anywhere? And it doesn't really matter if it's indie or big. Uh, And let me name a few examples just to get that part of the discussion going. Um, Minecraft technically started, you know, as just another little indie game by now it's anything but, right? But it was a little indie game and there's a direct line between the success of Minecraft and Fallout 4 and Fallout 76 being very interested in base building and, you know, providing huge suites of tools to create your base and power it and, you know, personalize it like crazy. I think that happened specifically because of the success of Minecraft. Like when Fallout 4 was announced, everyone was talking about, like, they added Minecraft in Fallout. Like, that was the line yeah. everyone was using. Um, so I think that's a, a good example of of it going, like, from the bottom up, from people seeing success of something indie and putting it in AAA. Another example is Slay the Spire. Um kind of has now spawned a whole genre of other indie games, but now Hearthstone is adding a mode that's basically Slay the Spire, Hearthstone. That's another example of of big devs watching the success of of indie and kind of stealing from them. But on the other hand, another one of the most like innovative things I've seen in a long time was Shadow of Mordor's whole nemesis system. Which I think I saw a headline recently that they actually found a way to patent that, which is sad. And we'll get to that in a minute. Um, But the Nemesis system, you know, the whole idea of like it procedurally generates enemies who remember you. And you even have like these stories play out. Sometimes, you know, you encounter them multiple times, they remember. Um, You know, that was innovation that I don't think like, was stealing from indie? I think that was them, like, I think that was a AAA studio genuinely pushing something new, and then Assassin's Creed has tried to imitate it, not fully, but they have somewhat of a system like that in the Mercenaries and Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Um, So that's an idea that's, like, spreading around. Um, So I, I wanted to give this context, but then ask the question again, like, do you think there's more? It's, it's like ideas come from indie and rise up to AAA, or does all the innovation happen in indie and stay there, and AAA is on a completely different track? Um, yeah, I guess what do you see that relationship being between the indie and the AAA innovation? Curtis, I guess you were already kind of talking to this, but anything else you want to say with that additional?
2: context? Um, okay. I think it goes both ways, but I think when it goes from indie up to that I can tell because I'm an expert, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it seems like the indie games that make that big of a splash have that kind of influence on triple A, like Minecraft blew up so big that like every little mm-hmm. kid in the world, it seemed like was playing it, you know, like Minecraft was huge. Um So I think, I mean, that's when, since Slay the Spire, I I feel like has done huge numbers too. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure it has. I feel like Slay the Spire influencing that many other indie games gets to the point where AAA developers are like, you know, like that's definitely something to try out kind of thing. Right. I mean, any creative work, you mentioned that there's, you know, stealing from each other. That's how creativity essentially is you get ideas from someone else and then work on it and customize it and mold it into your own idea to something new, you know? Um, yeah, I definitely think it goes both ways, but it doesn't seem like, like, I don't know how many copies super hot sold. Um, but it doesn't seem to be as big as something like Minecraft, obviously, but also like, uh, why am I just forgetting the game? I you'd mentioned slay Aspire. Aspire, as as, thank you. Yeah. Um, doesn't seem to be as big as those two games, so maybe it's not getting this much attention. I don't know.
1: This is making me realize that in for this particular question, I don't think there's a pattern. Do
0: you think it can just happen anywhere?
1: Yeah, because I kind of feel I'm trying to rack my brain, and like Minecraft was a good example. I think PUBG slash Fortnite is another yeah. kind of good example where PUBG was more indie and that kind of spawned the Battle Royale type of well, stuff.
0: this is actually another question I had written down because PUBG wasn't the first either, right? Even before PUBG, there was the Culling and there was other weird, super small Battle Royales.
1: Mm, yeah. Were and those weird so one... though? Bio, did PUBG, do we know if they, like, took those ideas uh,
0: from I, I don't have, like, documentation. The only but... thing
2: I know about PUBG is it originated, if I remember correctly. Um, so if I'm wrong, email us at <laughs> <laughs> Um But I'm pretty sure it started, I want to say it was an H1Z1 mod.
1: Okay.
0: Well,
2: it was and an, an Armour that mod. mod. Yeah. Is it an Armor 3 mod?
0: Well, yeah, but I think so it was, was H1Z1. I think
2: H1Z1 was, was in... mod, too. Yeah. I want to say... H1Z1 was... was before PUBG, PUBG was I'm pretty... If I remember right, I could have this completely wrong, though. Um, but if I remember right, the creator PUBG first made a mod on H1Z1 that was essentially a battle royale, and then took that and then made his own game with it, if I remember right
1: yeah that sounds uh
0: okay games concept yeah, and design I think that's right yeah uh oh okay so player unknown who made pubg had previously created the arma 2 mod daisy battle royale a, uh, okay. an offshoot of popular mod daisy Inspired by the 2000 Japanese film Battle Royale. Mm. Oh, wait. Um, In February 2016, wait. Daisy became its own standalone title. Uh, Sony Online Entertainment had become interested in Green's work and, and brought him on as a consultant to develop H1Z1 licensing the Battle Royale idea from him. In February 2016, Sony Online split H1Z1 into two separate games, the survival mode H1Z1 Just Survive and Battle Royale H1Z1 King of the Hill around the same time that green consultation period was over. So he consulted on H1Z1, but PUBG was already like a separate idea he had. And before that, it was DayZ Battle Royale. Uh, Anyway, um, so I guess it doesn't mention, at least on this Wikipedia article, that he was aware of the other smaller like Battle Royale games. But the point is, like Battle Royale was an idea that kind of grew through multiple titles across multiple studios. And then PUBG really hit it big. And then Fortnite really, really hit it big. (laughs) Yeah. And yeah. Fortnite also stealing from Minecraft at the same time, right? It kind of combined Minecraft.
2: Yeah. I mean, yeah, you can... I mean, stealing, you keep saying stealing. Stealing makes it sound bad.
4: Well,
1: you are the one who said stealing Innovation.
2: <laughs> I say it first? Yes, I'm pretty, no, I'm pretty sure I said stealing yeah, okay. first.
1: Um, also, Battle Royale is just a concept in general that was... Right. Existed for a long time. And so like
2: there's the Isn't there a movie literally named Battle Royale? Yes. And it's just that. And I think it's based on Hunger Games.
3: Yeah. So yeah, that idea. But
0: so I guess here's my question. Um is is that the right way for things to go? Like, is it okay that Epic Games, who was already a ginormous company, is the one who's making the most money and getting the most attention for the idea of a battle royale game when they're just kind of benefiting from the success of other people trying the same idea? Like, do ideas move too freely through games or do you feel like there should be more protections when indie games do come up with an idea that blows up like this should they be able
3: to hold on to it tighter
1: I mean yeah in in the perfect society I kind of feel
4: like
1: we like it would be nice to have that protection and like you created an idea and so you should get the credit for it but I mean You also don't have the same marketing budget. And so I feel like there's limits on how widespread that idea can get compared to someone like Epic Games.
0: Right. But then is it just the rich, the rich get richer and the poor get poorer? Is that just what, is that just how it has to be?
2: Well, the way I see it is if Fortnite had literally just taken. It's like okay, there's a hundred players on a map. They have guns. Go. They didn't have any <laughs> like the crafting and building and all that kind of right. stuff that they already had into the game. It would have been like, hey, what are you doing? Like you're blatantly stealing <laughs> from PUBG. But where they took that and put their own spin on it with uh, the crafting and building and stuff, it made it in a, a different game, in my opinion. I think that's fine. Um, and I think just the differences that Epic already had. Ryan pointed out the budget to market it when it started gaining some traction kind of a thing, you know,
1: it was also free, which yeah. helped them a lot.
2: Yeah. Mm. That's definitely a big deal. Just yeah. as long I, as I people know, aren't actually. like straight up stealing, you know, <laughs> if they're adding to it and like creating in their own thing out of someone else's thing, that's just kind of how creativity works in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, I, that's innovation in how I see it. Um, I read—I remember for school. I read this book. It was a great book. I still have it. It's called "How to Steal Like an Artist." Um, I forget the guy's name. It was Austin something. Austin started with the K. Is his last name. But that's the whole—that was the whole book—is how to, you know, look at what other people have done, take what you like from it, and use it to make something new out of it. That was the whole book—is just how to do that effectively. And I, I mean that's called How to Steal Like an Artist. I think that's all that's happening here.
1: I actually wrote that book and Austin Was stole everything from <laughs> me.
0: Wow.
2: Dare he, Austin. Big
0: big reveals on Chance Time Podcast. <laughs> it still hurts me to this day.
1: Um
2: Austin Cleon
0: is his name.
1: Mm do I'm curious to know what your questions are on the remake slash remaster side of things
0: yeah, um well, I guess that kind of goes back to to the last of us um I guess a question we didn't get to is I guess we kind of talked about this but when when is a remake warranted? I guess what factors In your mind, would be like a yes, we definitely need to remake this game.
2: Um, for me, it's just when the game hasn't that I okay, two things come to mind is one, if the game hasn't aged well, you go back and play it and it just you know does not play well compared to modern games, and that Mm -hmm. isn't that impedes your enjoyment of that game, that's a big deal, and that warrants a remake, and two. If people can play it easily, if it's locked to an, some old console that no one has access to anymore, it's also a big deal for me.
1: Do you think, though... Put those things
2: two together, a remake is necessary.
1: Do you think um, if the game's not available, why would it not just warrant a remaster? Or like an HD version? <laughs>
2: I mean, that works too, as long as it still holds up, you know?
1: Because from my understanding, remaster is when they just kind of like re-release it with some minimal upgrades, and remake Mm -hmm. is when they remake it from the ground up.
0: Yeah. And sometimes that distinction gets foggy. Like, Final Fantasy VII Remake, is a really good example of a, of a full remake, right? It's we're going to take the story and characters and, you know, basic weapons and attacks, but it's a completely different genre of game now. And, you know, no assets were reused at all, right? There's nothing from the original final fantasy seven code that is in final fantasy seven remake. At least I'm, I'm assuming. <laughs> like yeah.
4: maybe. I don't something... even know.
2: I, I still haven't played the remake yet, unfortunately. But I can't even imagine that they use the like, same maps. <laughs>
3: right, yeah. Or if
2: they did, you know. I mean, they probably did. But I mean, they had to expand it a ton. Because um, the remake covers the original game was like, how long did it get? It'd be like a five-hour piece of that game. Right, yeah. You know? the original. So I mean to make a 50 hour RPG out of that they had to really do a lot of work on it.
0: Yeah. But then there's like the Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy. Like is that a remake or a remaster? Because technically they had to completely recode parts of it and they just watched video footage of the original and had to recreate it as faithfully as they could because some of the code was lost. Yeah. But like they didn't really like the idea of Insane Trilogy is it's it's the crash you remember but prettier. So it's kind of like a remaster but but functionally more of a remake,
2: right?
1: I would call it a I think... remake.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we need a new word. Maybe we need a third word to define (laughs) these games.
1: Because I I think also with Crash Bandicoot, like, there's no room for reconceptualizing what that game is. Right. Like, it's a platformer. Like, if you're going to remake it, the only thing you can do is remake it to be. Pretty much the same. Maybe if there's like a part that's like a little harder, you make it a little easier because a modern game wouldn't be that difficult due to maybe
2: new characters.
1: Yeah, you could do something like that. But that doesn't
2: like fundamentally change the game, like something like what Final Fantasy VII did, like Paul mentioned.
1: Yeah. And I kind of feel like with stuff like Final Fantasy and with The example I go to is Resident Evil Two. Yeah, they looked at it and like they figured out how to make it the same game but feel a lot better. Whereas the controls
2: are completely different in there, right? Like yeah, different. It's new.
1: But I, I think like what going back to Curtis's point of. Like, the first Resident Evil 2 doesn't age well, where you're just kind of, like, walking through, like, single camera viewpoints from different angles, and now, like, the new Resident Evil games have evolved in such a way that they're all, like, a lot of them are, like, third-person, like, action-y type of games, and... I feel like there's something to be said like, hey, why can't we make the old ones like these new ones? And I feel like that makes them better just based on that principle. And same with Final Fantasy, like, why can't we make Final Fantasy 7 more like Final Fantasy 15? Take the thing that people love, but put it into what we think a modern Final Fantasy is.
4: Right. Right.
1: Whereas, like, if you want to remake Mario 64, like, you're making it basically like what the newest Mario is, which is the same as the old Mario.
2: I think that would constitute as a good remake, though, because I don't think Mario 64 has aged well.
1: Yeah, I agree. Compared
2: to, like, playing Mario Mario Odyssey. Like, it's not... like the camera in it and stuff. There's just some control issues... It doesn't play as smooth, that kind of thing, you know?
1: I would also argue, though, that if you remade Mario 64 as a modern Mario, it would be way too easy.
2: You don't want difficulty to come from just clunky gameplay, right? But I
1: also (laughs) think it would be like, you would beat it too fast, so you'd have to add more content, I feel.
2: That would be great. Imagine if they made more Mario 64. Yeah. Like, another thing about Mario 64 that I would like to see in a remake, I don't like the levels where, I mean, you go in, get a star, and then it pops you back out, and then you go in and, like, redo the whole thing over again kind of thing, you know? Mm, yeah. I would go, though, that would make the game very short, like you mentioned, but...
1: Yeah, and I, I bet you It's just, you like, one of those
2: quality-of-life things that's just... After playing Mario Odyssey, it was annoying to to a level and get kicked back out constantly
1: yeah and I bet you there's someone way smarter than me that could figure out a way to remake it and make it
4: <laughs> yeah
1: the same but different
4: yeah so
0: I guess the other question that follows this you know you you could debate all day about like what's a remake versus a remaster but I think the next question is, How many remakes is too many remakes? Like, are you guys getting tired of seeing so many things remade instead of new things? Or are you still just as excited every time they're like, yeah, that totally needs a remake. I totally want that experience again, but Hmm. modernized.
1: I think there's something to be said for dedicated audiences where whatever you remake, there's always going to be the audience that's excited for it. Similar to how like you might be sick of Marvel movies, but that doesn't mean you're not sick of star Wars movies yet. And so like, (laughs) right. There's always a franchise game or movie that you can kind of latch on to that you'll still be excited for and i kind of think that causes problems in the long run where it leads to less innovation because these companies know how to make money but i think for a lot of people too many there's way too many remakes right now but they there's a good chance that those same people who think there are too many remakes are wondering why their favorite franchise hasn't be, been remade yet.
3: Right. Yeah.
2: I would actually, and this is my argument right. for why remakes and remasters are technically good for all games.
4: Okay.
2: Um Because like I said, like the going back to the last of us remake, doesn't make a lot of sense. Cause there's a perfectly good remaster available in the PS4 that's playable in the PS5. Um But these like these remakes and remasters, maybe not like Final Fantasy VII remake because that's an entirely new game that they had a ton of work into, but like you know, like the what's the Link's Awakening remake? Essentially the same game, just new art style. Those kinds of games, uh, the Crash Trilogy remade, the Spyro Trilogy remade. They're essentially the same game, but you know, bringing them to a new audience. Um, they have that nostalgic factor too for people who played them when they're younger. Um, a big deal to be able to play those again right those games are like surefire hits essentially you know like they're gonna make money and those kinds of remakes don't um need as much uh, work put into them as like a whole brand new game um so it's you know from a business sense of view, it makes sense to do a lot of these because people are gonna buy them and you don't have to put as much money into them as well. They're lower budget and they have you know good sales basically guaranteed. Um that's why like all the Wii U ports on Switch. I know a lot of people got annoyed with that, but like why wouldn't Nintendo do that to make a lot of money? And all of that money can be funded into other projects that are maybe are a little riskier, maybe don't have the same guaranteed success as, you know, big franchises that are going to definitely sell because it's a, another sequel to a historic franchise kind of a thing, you know? Um, like, all the Marios that Nintendo sells is what funds something like ARMS, you know? and Maybe ARMS wasn't the biggest hit in the world, but I don't think Nintendo really took much of a hit on it if they did at all. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. I So agree
2: all those there's just more money to take riskier projects than if those riskier projects don't work out that's okay um and if they do work out awesome and then they're gonna start another franchise and go from there to make more money and it's just kind of a cycle i think really
1: yeah and i i mean i like i said before a lot of times i am that audience of where like i haven't played the last of us yet and so I would be more excited about a newer version to play for the first time. Whereas, like That makes sense. Too. I didn't have a Wii U as well. And I'm always really excited for those Wii U ports to come because they always looked fun. But I just didn't have a Wii U to play on.
4: So mm. now I get a
2: Especially chance. Especially the know. Wii U games. The Wii U didn't sell like anything. you know like no one out of wii u compared to like the switch so it makes perfect sense to make bring all those wii u ports over and that with like minimal effort and that's fine because they're still perfectly good games as they are you know it's all about the money in the end (laughs) and to innovate you need money to fund the innovation so
0: yeah i i think i disagree with you guys on this topic. (laughs) Uh, Just in the sense of, like, I think there are too many remakes right now. I think we're way too focused. Like, okay, where I really freaked out recently was Blizzard recently announced, I think it's actually out now, Hearthstone Classic. A game that came out, what, like, six or seven years ago they're giving I'm it like the
3: that.
0: yeah they're giving it like a wow right? classic treatment where there's now a version of hearthstone where you can play it just like it was when it released which to me is like are you like admitting that you screwed up your own game and like it was better before like <laughs> and also like it's the kind of a similar situation to The Last of Us, where I was like, do you really need Hearthstone Classic? Like, wow, classic makes sense to me. Like that was, you know, a long, long time ago. But Hearthstone Classic. And like, like half of BlizzCon was them announcing, don't worry, guys, you can play old games. And I'm like, what are you guys doing? Like, you've established yourselves as these juggernauts by taking these risks and coming up with new things that people can learn to love. And to me, like I always am kind of sad when you force those same people to just turn around and redo what they did before again, instead of letting them come up with the next thing that we'll love as much as we loved. Wow. Classic, you know, um, But that might just be me. Uh, Like I get what you're saying about like it's safer and it's money. But like the most exciting moments for me in games are this is a new idea. It there's not this shroud of expectation of everything. It has to be. It can just be what we think the best thing is. Um, And I guess that's my struggle with remakes and remasters is. You spend so much time making sure you don't offend the fans instead of just, like, making the coolest game you can. Um, like, I would be much more excited about Super Mario Odyssey 2 than I would be about a Super Mario odyssey Super Mario 64 remake, you know? Because I feel like if they did Super Mario 64 remake... There'd be so many things that they would quote-unquote have to do. And it's like, I don't know. Uh, don't don't shackle yourself to the nostalgia. Just do something great. Like, I trust you as, as developers. Just do what you want to do. Don't do what you think I want you to do. Uh, but I think most people are where you guys are at with remakes and remasters. That's why so many are happening. But I'm getting like increasingly frustrated, like, show me the next great the next great new intellectual property. Stop refeeding me the same stuff that I know is good. <laughs> I, but that that's my opinion
1: I think I don't think like I think your opinion is I think people are torn between the two opinions, honestly, yeah. Where, like, people want their favorite things remade, but they also want, like, brand new things. And so when I hear something about, like, Hearthstone Classic, I'm like, all right, give me something that I might be interested in. (laughs) Rather than what, like... But I do think there's something to be said about, like, how games are made now. And if they're not made to be a franchise... They're made to keep people playing. And I think that both of those things does lend to people talking about it online. And then you get the people who like for Hearthstone being the example, like that's a game meant to be played for the rest of your life. Right. And so there's probably enough people being like, bring back classic mode that they're trying to appease. Whereas on the other side of things, like, I feel like with franchises, there's a whole different side of things of people wanting the new thing, but also wanting what they loved at the same time updated.
0: Yeah, and I guess now that I think about it, I don't know of any studios that are making anybody choose between both. like. Resident Evil Village is being made at the same time as all the Resident Evil remakes and Final Fantasy 16 is being made at the same time as Final Fantasy 7 remake and you know Hearthstone's getting new expansions at the same time as Classic is available World of Warcraft is getting new expansions so like I don't think anyone so far has like chosen one side I think the strategy of almost everybody is we're going to do both we're going to remake and we're going to make new stuff and so I guess it's not really like you have to pick between the two. Uh, even though to me, every time I hear of one, I'm like, no, let those people do something else. But yeah. I kind of feel
1: like, I mean, actually, also... to... <laughs> who's going to go first? We all three. I just want to say else. this real quick.
2: Okay. Go for it. Um, it's it's kind of what I said before, but I think that, I mean, there, all these companies, their best developers, I like pretty much guarantee that they're not working on like the remakes and remasters and the classics and stuff, you know, their best right. developers and their best teams are working on the new big thing. And those new big things just take so much more time to make, you know? Um, I mean, yeah, they just take so much more time to make. They got to, they got to build the whole thing from the ground up and got to figure out what's going to work. And, the theme and setting and like it's so much stuff i can't imagine how much work it has to be you know and all those remakes and remasters and classics and that kind of stuff are just um a good way to get maybe not as experienced developers i guess you could put it um but you know the other teams that you have them to work and get them working on projects that's going to continue your income as a company so you can keep working on the next big thing it's going to just gonna you know, down the road kind of a thing.
1: Right. I also think Nintendo's figured it out where they're just like, Hey, here's 3d Mario, 3d all-stars, these three ROMs that we just slapped onto a cartridge. Now let us make (laughs) Mario Odyssey 2. That's probably a bit,
2: you know, probably a bit,
1: (laughs) but also like,
2: but you know, that's a different conversation
1: (laughs) The Wii. Wii U ports as well, like they innovate a little by adding something extra.
4: Yeah.
2: And
1: sometimes Yeah, that that was an example where they went a little bit higher, but then you think of something like uh Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze where they added funky mode. Yeah, funky mode. <laughs> <laughs> and like I feel like that is like a pretty low effort thing where they're just like, Yeah, we'll put like a little bit new to maybe hook some people who already bought this in, but for the most part, let's just focus on our new games.
0: Well, and like Pokken Tournament DX, I doubt you guys played that, but... No, oh, I did. Uh, but yeah, they added like the 3v3 mode where you pick a team of three instead of just one character, and they added like one... No, they added one new character at launch, and then there was a couple DLC characters. So it was like... An upgrade, but it was mostly a port. That's just another example, like Donkey Kong, where they're like, eh, "We'll we'll kind of do new stuff, but not really."
4: Yeah.
0: And I guess port is like is like the tier below remaster, right? Mm, like yeah. sometimes it's just a straight yeah. port, where it's like we're just we're just gonna make it available. We're not gonna change anything at all. Um, like Final Fantasy 7 was ported and it was remade, right? It got both, yeah.
2: I think there needs to be one more term though, because like King's Awakening or Crash compared to the Final Fantasy 7 remake, they're both technically remakes, but Final Fantasy 7 is an entirely new game compared to the right. old Final Fantasy 7, you know, it's not just. Here's your old Final Fantasy VII that plays the same and everything, but with new graphics, with modern graphics. I almost think there needs to be a is it a reboot? Final Fantasy VII reboot isn't the same. That's not as exciting of a yeah. Dream, I guess, like <laughs> God of War
0: with a God of War was a reboot because it like it was new story and new gameplay, but in the same franchise it wasn't yeah. retreading anything whereas final fantasy 7 is to. retreading yeah. yeah
2: so reboot's not right yeah
0: so i think like maybe reimagining
2: Ooh,
0: reimagine Ooh,
2: reimagine is a good one like that's like the tier above remake it's yeah, like i like it
0: we're gonna completely redo it but preserve like the story and the characters and like
2: themes yeah but yeah the gameplay and the game and the mechanics and everything are all completely different. Yeah. I'd also throw Stories expanded,
1: redesign in the, the hat.
2: Yeah. 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 Redesign.
1: Okay. That gets harder because game design is correlated with right. so It's a different I mean, thing.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. All right. Reimagining wins.
2: <laughs> but I don't also know if can... it still looks good on a box like Final Fantasy 7 Reimagined. It's not bad. Yeah, I think let's go with that or... one. Yeah, never mind. No, I say it out loud, it doesn't sound as bad. Oh, as Oh, right?
1: <laughs> reimagining is for the uh the ones that we call remakes right now. That's what you're. Saying? Oh, is it? I don't know.
2: I was saying no. Reimagining is... is like Final Fantasy 7 where it's yeah, the highest. It's here. still Final Fantasy VII, but the completely new game essentially in terms okay. of gameplay.
1: So I was saying redesign for something like Leaks Awakening. Like it's uh, the okay. same game. The design's redesigned. still
2: the same. It's just yeah, it's just built from the ground up, but well, it's still the same game.
0: The visual design is redesigned.
1: Yeah, but that, like, that's where it gets confusing. Yeah, but yeah. never mind.
0: Like it seems like they're doing the same thing with Diamond and Pearl, Pokemon Diamond and Pearl. It's more on the Link's Awakening side where
4: yeah.
0: it's basically yeah. the same game, but it's gonna look entirely different. Um
1: revisualized. Yeah,
0: yeah there you go. Whole, we got a whole taxonomy <laughs> going. We'll
2: figure it out. <laughs> All yeah. the levels. But I guess if you have to... any suggestions, email us at <laughs> podcast at gmail.com. Here's
0: that's a also, quick that's question. A joke, though.
2: but a suggestion at the same time.
0: <laughs> are there any other games that are complete reimaginings like Final Fantasy VII? Like, can you think of others? I guess, would
2: the Resident Evil
0: remakes count as reimaginings? I would count. Or not really.
2: Yeah. I would. They play differently. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. The story is not expanded on the scale of Final Fantasy 7. Um, but the gameplay is completely different from the original. So I would say, yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, that's. I can't think of any beyond those two, though.
1: I feel like there are. Is the new Mass Effect release going to be like that?
2: Is, no. Uh, Remaster it's, all three well, in package, I think.
0: Yeah, except like they are changing. It's like leaning toward a remake because they're changing a lot about the like HUD and UI and certain mechanics. That's on like the level of like the Tony Hawk remakes.
4: Okay.
0: Where actually, like under the hood, they changed a ton of stuff. But like the gameplay experience is meant to be just how you remember it. But yeah. they're like, it's just how you remember it, but convenient for modern players who are gonna expect certain conveniences that weren't actually there before, but they don't remember they, that they weren't there before.
2: Yeah, like I think they did like some certain. Wasn't the revert to manual wasn't in the first? Yeah, I think, was yeah, it? I know no. it is. Stuff like that,
4: yeah. It's hard. So yeah.
0: It's, it, it's kind of like a, a remake plus.
4: <laughs> well,
1: I mean, or a
0: remaster plus. I guess is I don't know.
1: Yeah, it's hard because I I was gonna say Metroid Zero Mission, which was a remake of the first Metroid game, mm-hmm. um, but they basically like they added more story to it and they added a map and like made it more like a modern Metroid 2D Metroid game, but
2: yeah. I don't know if that really counts. They added the whole Zero Suit action, too. I'd say that one counts. Does it count? Because the gameplay is different, too. You can you can aim diagonally. <laughs> you can climb ledges once you get the I guess zero it's, power for that. I can't
1: remember. I guess it does count, but it's not as high as a jump.
2: Yeah. Or uh, Samus Returns on the 3DS.
1: Yeah. Um. Do does Demon Souls count? One. Or is that too close to I, how the original? No,
2: because from what I understand, I think the gameplay and everything is basically okay. identical to what it used to be. It just looks much better.
3: Got
2: it. Okay. It's such a big visual upgrade, though. That's pretty big, but still.
0: Man, there's there's way more of these than I even thought of when we first started discussing this. Mm-hmm. There's been a ton of remakes and remasters, and
3: I yeah. mean, you kind of you
0: kind of have to do it. Like, there's some yeah. stuff that you want to. It's
3: kind of how I mean, video already... games
0: preserve themselves, right? You just keep bringing yeah, it forward, or else it gets lost.
2: You could say the two Zeldas on the sixty-four were. I don't know if that's a remake or a remaster. I would say a remaster on the 3DS Right. well. They look much better and they play better, but still the same game, essentially.
4: Yeah. I
0: don't think this is a discussion you can have about, like, other mediums. Because, like, a movie... You can't slice and dice it as much. Like you're either reshooting the movie, or you're touching up the original. There's no like, there's none of this nuance like there is with games. Yeah. Where it's like, they're not gonna like splice some new shots. I guess like that's a director's cut though. I guess as I'm saying this, Zack Snyder's Justice
2: League. I was just saying, yeah, the Snyder cut. <laughs> it kind of
0: is uh, a reimagining <laughs> of a movie because they did film new stuff and splice it in with old stuff and re-edit. So, never mind. Maybe <laughs> you can't do it with other mediums.
1: Doesn't happen as much, though.
2: Yeah. Not nearly as often.
3: Well,
0: so... I I I think we've covered all of the questions I had and all the directions I wanted to go with this. And I guess um, we'll end with sorry. we'll end with one question, or I guess if you guys have other things you want to talk about, I'll end with one question. Um, how much of a factor is it for you when you're thinking of buying or playing a game? Do you consider like I want to play something new and innovative, or I want to play something familiar that's, you know, in my favorite? genre that plays like my favorite games or do you not really think about that
3: I
1: I don't know if I necessarily think what can I play that's new and innovative but I definitely Mm -hmm. think what can I play that I haven't played before Right. and so there's a good chunk of like remasters and remakes that I haven't played before. And if I have played it before, I do look for... Alright, what makes this worth playing again? Like, I I don't know. think I'm gonna... Like, play... Like, I bought Mario 3D All-Stars. But I had already... 100% Sunshine on the GameCube and Galaxy on the Wii. And I did... I had never done that with Mario 64 and so that was kind of my drive to play Mario 64 all the way through. But I haven't really thought about doing Sunshine or Galaxy. Even though I know I would have a fun time doing them again, I have enough games where I kind of want to gravitate towards things that I'd never have. Like, I guess I had played Mario 64 before, but it was a different experience than the times I had played before. And so I, I think like I've started last of us, but if a new last of us comes out, I won't want to start from my same save file. I'll want to have that full experience with the new version. Whereas like, I think like if something does look new and innovative to me or looks like a genre I like, but has like a different spin on it, I'll gravitate towards that more than something that was freshly remade that I hadn't played before.
0: Right. What about you, Curtis?
2: Um, I kind of think it's probably just what I'm in the mood for. (laughs) (laughs) Right. To be honest. But like sometimes a lot of times i kind of do a little bit of both you know i have like one game that feels familiar or is familiar like a game i've played already and i want to play through it again kind of a thing while i play something that's new and unfamiliar to me
4: yeah. yeah i don't i guess i don't think about
2: it a whole lot
4: yeah i don't think i
0: actually yeah. think about it either but and, I do think yeah, I get more picky excited about what I end up buying. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was saying. I do. I think I get more excited by. Whoa, this is like unlike anything I've ever played. I definitely want to buy this versus. Oh yeah, I like that franchise. I could do another one of those. Like that's not as exciting to me as like, whoa, this is totally new. Let's check this out.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: And I think. Ryan, something you were saying kind of triggered it to make sense in my mind. Like, I got really excited about the Tony Hawk remakes because I had touched those games, but I hadn't really been able to play them as much as I wanted when they were first came out. So I was like, this is finally my chance. But like the Mass Effect Legendary Edition, I pretty sure I will not buy because. I was able to really dig into those games, and I don't think I need to re-experience them. And so it's the same with the last of us remake. It was like, I've played that game, I think, all the way through at least three times. i I don't need that experience. And I guess that's why it was so frustrating for me. It was like no, like i'm I'm good on that one. Like I've had enough of it. But there's probably a lot of people out there like you, Ryan, who have not had enough of it, and that's really who it's for. yeah, um. Yeah. And so I'm like sitting here thinking like if they did a remake of Knights of the Old Republic, I would be there for that because I would feel like I'm a different person now than I was when I played it. I want to know how I'd react to it now, you know?
1: Yeah. And I, I do think like probably the same for you guys, but like what I said was a bit more generalized. But there are certain games where, like, I could play them over and over again if they kept remaking them. But I would be less excited about it. There's only so many times, like, and I, I feel like it does become fresh when you've waited long enough.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I think like this
0: a lot to... I go back and forth about, like, okay, I guess sometimes remasters are okay, or remakes are okay.
4: A lot of times it's just
2: literally going back and playing the old game, (laughs) like Super Mario World. (laughs) (laughs) Play that anytime. It's a great game.
4: True.
1: But I also feel like I have played it so many times (laughs) that I don't know if I, like I want to, I know I love that game, but I have to find a new way to play it, I guess. Unless I wait like 10 years. Or I'm showing it to someone who's never played it. I feel like I can have fun doing it. But I don't know. I also could probably sit through and play it, and because I <laughs> know it so well, I could probably justify sitting down and playing it for comfort food. It's hard to say. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah.
4: So I guess our I was conclusion. Where I think about it.
0: Oh, sorry. Well, uh, go ahead and say your thing.
2: I was just gonna say the. I think about it in terms of buying habits and stuff and th- looking for innovative games. I'm always like, we kind of talked about it. Was it last week? <laughs> I'm always like so far behind on games anyway. i right. always playing stuff that came out at least like a year or two ago at, at the least, <laughs> if not more. So no, I'm never really on the cutting edge of what's new and hot at the moment. Once in a while, maybe an indie game,
4: like Hades maybe, but that's about it. Yeah. So I guess the conclusion I'm getting from this discussion is
0: we want both. We want innovation, (laughs) and we want repetition. But do them both the right way in the way we like. (laughs) Yeah. So good luck, game developers.
2: (laughs) It's the only way to do it is the right way. You better know what (laughs) way is right. Because we think we know, but we probably don't know. <laughs> I think exactly. the
1: solution is to destroy the internet and just let <laughs> people do whatever they want, and the consumer has to deal with it.
2: Yeah, there you go.
0: We solved it. There you go. End of
2: episode. <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder how many companies would go under. <laughs> they can tell how people felt about their games like oh i think it's fine i think yeah
4: let's <laughs> do another one for
2: sure <laughs> just well we're not making money all of a sudden i don't know <laughs> well
0: any game companies listening to this we dare you to try it let us know how it goes email us at <laughs> time podcast at shima.com.
1: why can't uh, sonic look more like a hybrid between a real life thing and a cartoon <laughs> that was reference oh. to the movie sonic
0: <laughs> which in the end worked out for them i guess
1: i know but i wish they would have released the original version and that they <laughs> could have learned a valuable lesson in such a bigger release way
2: the original cut.
0: yeah yeah release the ugly cut
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
4: Hashtag.
0: all right well i think that covers it for today Uh thank thanks all who listened through this whole thing. Let us know what you think. And we'll be back soon with another episode on on another random video game topic.
1: Thanks for coming to see James. Yeah, Curtis. Hashtag peeps versus LaCroix.
0: <laughs> Hashtag release the ugly cut.
4: <laughs> The ugly cut. <laughs> Bye.
3: Bye.